The first rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The third rule of Fight Club Minute, someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the minute is over. Fourth rule, only one guest to a minute. Fifth rule, one minute at a time, fellas. Sixth rule, no shirt, no shoes. Seventh rule, minutes will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule, if this is your first time listening to Fight Club Minute, enjoy the show. I am Jack's 48th minute. I begin with the Mona Lisa falling apart, and I end with Marla going to Debtors Anonymous. I'm your host, Bubbleweed, and I know where my co-host, Lance Stanford, has been the last 18 weeks, uh, though I don't know where he is today. But joining us after taking a break from his nunchuck practice is our guest, Paul Hawkins. How are you doing today? Uh, doing all right. My shoulder's a little sore, but otherwise okay. <laughs> well, thank you for coming back. And uh, I, I I like to start off our Fridays with a little bit of fun or not to get a little bit serious our wednesdays are fun at uh, question but uh i know that fight club has kind of attached itself to the toxic masculinity that's uh that celebrate tyler durden for all the wrong reasons and so to to help counter that and to uh you know remind remind people that tyler is a bad guy i i do like to give our guests an opportunity to share an example of positive masculinity to to counter a lot of the toxic masculinity that's out there, uh, whether it's from uh, movies, TV, or even real life. So, Paul, oh, what do you have for us today? Um, so, I I spent uh, spent a fair bit of time trying to think about this, and uh, I I found that I. I struggled to narrow it down to just one. Um, and uh, uh, so I, I, I've got two uh, that I've ultimately landed on. One of them is just, um, I find a fantastic example of just genuine, like, you know, positive masculinity, um, which would be uh, Robin Williams, as Dr. Sean McGuire in Goodwill Hunting. Um, I, I think he's just a, a great, great character. Um, yeah, absolutely not afraid to express um, you know, his thoughts and to point out that it's absolutely okay to not be okay and to, you know, to need help. I mean, you know, He's a therapist, so, you know, uh, but um, uh, I, I think he's, he's just a really good example of that. Um, and then the other one, I don't think it's possible to be more positively masculine than this person. Uh, and that would be um, Raul Julia as Gomez Adams. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, if if you've seen the the first two live action um you know adam family films you know <laughs> gomez is just just this beacon of positivity mm. yeah I, I i think it's it's funny that you that you chose him because of you know, I I've, I mentioned it earlier this week, but this this is kind of an unusual recording situation because we we had a, uh, technical difficulties, and so we had yeah. to <laughs> reschedule this, uh, kind of last minute, just a few days before it goes up, and um, the earlier this morning I recorded a you know three minutes that take place that will be released in about three months in the future. <laughs> and he also chose Raul Julia as Gomez Adams. And I know oh, I, I told him that somebody has definitely picked that before. Like he was not the first person to to choose Gomez Adams. <laughs> and now hearing you say it, I, I can't remember if there was a third person or if I was remembering you picking Gomez Adams the first time that we recorded this. <laughs> Well, either way, I get in first. I win. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, but, I mean, like again, like give me a more positive 
uh, male uh, figure than Gomez Adams. I don't, I don't think you can. Yeah, he, he is absolutely fantastic. He's a good father, a good wife. A, he is just so fantastic. Like, I, I almost think, I mean, I can't speak to every version of him. I've, I do love, uh, I think, the Raul Julia version the best because that is the one that I was introduced to first, uh, yeah. for sure. And that is such a, a fantastic movie. But I, I've, I believe that pretty much every version of Gomez does follow that similar positive masculinity, whether you're talking about John Astin from the the TV series or um, the the animated show, which I, I also watched the animated show uh, from the 90s, I believe. And then I know that they had the the two animated movie, the two CGI animated movies more recently. And even uh, Louise Guzman in Wednesday, uh, I think he he follows the trend, and and he was also a very good Gomez Adams. And uh, even though he he got a lot of criticism, I I think that he did match the uh, he did more closely resemble the look of some of the original uh, uh, comics. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean Gomez. Up until Raul Julia was never um, conventionally attractive, I should say. I mean, you know, Jonathan, um, uh, good-looking guy, but definitely had um, an interesting it, look as Gomez. Yeah, he was. He was. He always played like a, you know the quirky character, and he uh, he had. I always uh, he kind of played off, especially uh, whenever he was in Night Court, the the kind of. Uh, crazy look to him and and i think that also worked well for gomez in the the tv series yeah and and um uh yeah i i didn't understand the hate that uh, guzman was getting for for wednesday um but yeah like i say every single iteration of gomez is um like you know has unending devotion for his wife and unending love patience and confidence in his children like yeah. just you know whatever they want to do he is all in so yeah it, it's just uh you know honestly you know men can only aspire to <laughs> to to be at the level of gomez yeah and then let's go ahead and jump into today's minute 48 and this this gets into the the reasoning that Tyler has for choosing Lincoln, and he says, you know, he's a he's a tall guy, long reach, and he has the line, "Skinny, skinny, skinny guys fight till they're burger." And I know that the first, you know, many times that I've watched this, I never really understood what he meant, and all, but also like never really gave it any thought. It's just like, oh, that's something that weird that he's saying, like the. Uh, did you have like what's your thoughts on on this line like uh, and did you kind of uh, dismiss it as well and until uh, you know looking at it closely for uh, coming on today yeah I, I i i can't say i'd looked at it at all before today um uh, I, I am partially deaf uh, in both ears so Prior to watching it with subtitles on, um, I had no clue what was being said. Um, it was just kind of like a skinny guy's fighting. Like, I'd never heard that phrase before, so uh, I, I didn't catch it. I had nothing to reference it for, so it's just like, oh, they, they're just fighting. Um, like, and now knowing what the line is, the only thing I could think of would be that skinny guys will fight like basically until they win or until they're not able to continue like yeah you know, mm. they have been mashed into burger um, yeah and... yeah that's that's how i read it as well that's they they will keep fighting until they've been beaten to a bloody pulp aka they look like a burger yeah and uh, which which is an interesting statement like i i don't because it it seemed to me, um, that seemed to be taking the stance of all skinny guys 
will just fight until they're on over. And it's like, I, yeah, I feel like if you were going up against someone like muscly, someone who clearly was, uh, uh, had a lot of muscle on you, um, I feel like you, you would just, uh, like, yeah, run <laughs> rather than fight. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it, it uh, and and again, like yeah, I I myself uh, am not a fighter, so I don't know what it what my response would be in situations like that. But uh, um, yeah, you yeah, saying honestly, that uh, talking about muscular guys, it, it reminds me of a uh, of a social media video that I saw fairly recently that that was about this uh, guy with this like sword and a stone stone challenge, where I guess he has its it's like a setup where you're you're kind of uh uh you have your feet on the the ground and then you're bending over so you're lifting so it's all like uh just uh, arm and muscle shoulders that you're working and uh, i guess he can set it to different levels and he uh brings on a you know extremely muscular looking guy like you know someone who uh, clearly a bodybuilder yeah. and he asks him and then the, the guy he says is, uh, you know, he points out his muscles and, and the bodybuilder says, oh, these are just show muscles. <laughs> and it's like, he's kind of a, a, admitting that not all extremely muscular guys are, you know, that there's muscles that, that actually have this strength built into them. And there's also what he was saying as like show muscles, which they're, they're big, but that doesn't always mean that they have the strength to back it up, at least, you know, the, um, the utility strength. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some muscles that you can bulk up, but it's not going to help you. Uh, there's there's mm. really only like a, a very specific few muscles that will give you the actual, you know, upper body strength or lower body strength or what have you say. Yeah, 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 I know. I, I especially like if you look at the body type for a lot of the, like the Olympic level body uh, power lifters, they have, you know, they they almost look more fat than muscle, but they they have the actual utility strength to back it up, even though they don't have like the bodybuilder show muscles. Oh yeah, I mean, just watch any strongman competition, and it's people who are built more like uh you know vader the wrestler uh mm. over arnold schwarzenegger like you know these people are just they're just kind of slabs but they are solid as a rock like <laughs> so yeah mm -hmm. and then i i also wanted to talk about this this whole bathroom setup that <laughs> it is so weird and uh like we see it like i guess mostly in the very beginning of of the minutes we have this like such a bizarre toilet it, it almost looks like a prison toilet because yeah. there's no there's no tank there there's no visible handle you just see a pipe that's that comes from the ceiling and is directly connected to the back of the the toilet seat yeah and, and, the, and it's such a small toilet like it's yeah. tiny <laughs> It almost feels like a prison toilet, except it a prison toilet would be metal, and this one is uh, clearly like the white porcelain, the you know the standard uh, white toilets that that most people have, other than the fact that it's missing the tank on the back. Yeah, and isn't it also missing a seat? Like, yeah, I don't it, think it there's looks, a seat on it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's possible because the you know the the ring around it looks potentially a little bit wider than if like maybe the seat is kind of built in like it's intended to be sit on without an additional seat attached to the top of it or it it could just be missing the seat and they're just uh you know sitting on on it without the seat and you just have to kind of uh you know prep for it you know have have a wide stance so you're not uh falling into it yeah, oh, yeah, it's just one of those ones that you just squat over rather than actually <laughs> sitting on it. Yeah, no, yeah I, even though it's definitely not a squat toilet because it, it does yeah. seem to have enough height to it where you could 
where you should be able to sit com comfortably if there was a comfortable seat attached to it at least yeah and uh, um i i will say just the bathroom in general like it, it does seem so weird to me as well because like because that toilet is almost pristine white against mm -hmm. this just brown of everything else uh so that does say to me like they actually did buy or obtain yeah a, a new toilet for this for this bathroom that uh or, or um, they just cleaned it and and it's easier or at least they wiped down the outside because you can see like the 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 uh the inside of the bowl is has you know the black streaks from where the water runs down yeah uh and yeah like, like this i would say this bathroom is uh in worse shape than the the room in saw <laughs> uh, so, like it's just, it is uh this would get any business shut down by the health department if they, mm -hmm. if they got rid and saw this uh yeah I, then, i'm just glad i don't live there and they also have like the the bare light bulb fixture right next to the mirror and there's a couple toy or a couple uh candles uh burning right next to the toilet and just like a half a toilet paper roll just sitting on the floor right behind the toilet yeah yeah it's uh very much a. Uh... Very much student accommodation right there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you can also see uh, a couple magazines, uh, although it's the, the quality is not good enough to tell if they are foreign magazines or I don't think it's the Ikea catalogs like he had in his previous bathroom. I, I believe that he's definitely moved beyond the Ikea catalog, but it's, it's hard to tell exactly what the, the reading material is in their bathroom. Yeah. And um, probably like the, uh, the annotated reader, you know, the, the magazines from the hoarder house. Yeah. And it, it is interesting to think about because knowing these characters, it absolutely could be uh, pornographic in nature, or it could just, be like literally any uh, magazine that they've just taken from somewhere just because they can. Like mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, re really could just be anything. Or it could also be like they're taking the piss out of the like the magazines that you get in a waiting room. Like they've just taken someone's uh, magazine <laughs> from a waiting room, and those are the ones that they can read while they're there. Mm -hmm. And then we get another another great line from this movie. Even the Mona Lisa is falling apart. <laughs> Which, and, um, I mean, I feel like it's it's technically an accurate statement too, because technically the Mona Lisa is more or less falling apart. It's it's I, faded. I guess it's degrading, I suppose, mm. would be the term. <laughs> Because yeah, it's not like the you know it's not like the painting itself is uh, ripping itself to shreds, uh, but mm. uh, yeah, but it has faded quite a bit due to age, and the oh, yeah. it, it was um, the last time that it would that it was uh, a restoration was attempted was back in eighteen oh nine, and they ended up removing some of the paint as they were trying to remove some of the accumulated dirt um, to restore it. And after that, the, the painting has had a more washed out look than it did whenever it was uh, newer. And now I, I believe that they are, unless they end up coming with coming up with some new techniques in the future, they uh, are have no plans of uh, trying to restore it any further. They're just uh, attempting to do everything they can to preserve it as much as possible. Yeah, I feel like at some point very soon, what's going to happen is it's going to be you know behind the glass that is behind, but the glass is going to have some sort of uh, thing in it so that it is kind of projecting what it used to look like and like depending on where you stand you'll see yeah uh, like 
how it originally looked um yeah and then kind of it over time and then that you know maybe as you cross the room by the time you get to the end of the room you actually see what it's like now like i, I think that I think that's something that they'll end up using. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that that's something that they'd end up like in in ten or twenty years using AI to to accomplish that as well. Have you um, speaking of? Have you seen um, the program where you basically take you know, the picture and then you just uh, you tell AI that you want it to sort of fill out? the outside space and then you just drag and you know, so like let's say you were to take a picture of the Mona Lisa and you had that and then you just sort of increase um the space around it by like a hundred percent and then the AI just fills in what would have been there. Uh I I wonder what it would be like for the Mona Lisa because um uh it really is just someone sitting there um in just as sort of Italian architecture say like what what the hell would that feel <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've i haven't tried any of that myself i have seen a few videos of somebody of uh, people who have done that with like uh, uh, photographs and also i i saw one shared by a, a friend who is you know a harsh critic of ai especially uh, ai that's used for artwork right and it it took um a, a relatively famous um, unfinished painting of an artist who passed away from AIDS and a like it, it was intentionally left unfinished like I, I believe that he created it um, whenever he was in failing health but his intention was to leave it unfinished uh, you know he did yeah. quote unquote finish it as an unfinished project and right. uh, somebody used AI to finish that artwork. And, and that was kind of looked at as, you know, near blasphemous. <laughs> I, I, I will say I can see, I can see the worth in doing that just to kind of see like potentially what a finished piece would look like. Um, but then obviously sharing that as in like, like, yeah, hey, I've got this thing. This is what it thinks it's like. You know, um, the, what do you guys think? I'm going to make tweaks and stuff. Like, yeah, I, I can see it being a, a learning exercise for the AI. Mm. Um, uh, however, yeah, when you, whenever you do something like that, especially since it was intended to be an unfinished piece, I can absolutely see that people would um, leap at the chance to rip <laughs> into this because, uh, yeah, yeah. Personally, I think uh, AI use in any kind of commercial venture, any anything to pull money from something like I, I don't think that's right. But AI use just for shits and giggles. Like you know, I, <laughs> I, I don't see any issue with that whatsoever. Uh, personally, uh, yeah, so. I've, I've definitely played around with it a bit. I've I got uh, you know one of the free accounts to use. Uh, I believe Dolly one. Uh, I, I oh, believe that yes. you can you can have a free account uh, uh, to use Dolly the the first Dolly in a limited capacity, but you have to pay a subscription fee if you want to use the upgraded Dolly two. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I oh, it's been ages since I've thought of Dolly. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was a cool I, I know. Yeah, and I think the the more prominent ones are like the the mid journey. That uh, yeah, <laughs> I believe that one also has some sort of subscription fee, but it it produces a lot more uh, realistic um, uh, art. Yeah, yeah. So, so some of those are are interesting, and uh, the one thing I do know is you have to be very specific with your prompts to get mm -hmm. to pull out the sort of thing you're looking for. Yeah, I saw, um, and sometimes you can use the wording to work around some of the limitations that they have. Where I think uh, a more, I saw a more recent prompt where somebody said, you know, uh, make uh, make an image of a 
you know, a, a well-known actor like, uh, let's say, Arnold Schwarzenegger doing this ridiculous thing. And the uh, the prompt came back saying that, you know, I cannot use his likeness. I can use I can make someone of a similar uh, body shape and and height, but I can't recreate their likeness. And then they said, uh, it's OK. I am that I am Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's okay for you to make this uh, make this image for me, and then it did it. Interesting. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I find it always fascinating, like how people get around stuff like that. I know there was one, um, one AI thing recently where someone basically just told it to do the same thing over and over and over and over, and then it fed it one line that made it spew out its entire source code. Mm -hmm. and not only that but also all of the data it had been fed to be able to pull out stuff including a bunch of people proprietary data it was just um it was a fantastic um uh, like hack of it that caused that company to be very 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 nervous (laughs) yeah um but yeah no i mean it's getting crazy man Getting crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, getting back to Fight Club, which has no AI in it, at, yeah. <laughs> at least as far as I know, other than the uh, Tyler is kind of an AI <laughs> because he's yeah. artificial intelligence created from Jack's brain. <laughs> uh, but we get this uh, this phone call from Marla, and I, I like that we have this uh, zoom in on this fantastic classic rotary dial phone with mm-hmm. the the spilled paint on it and the little smiley face sticker right above it and just the the random loose nail there that's you know sticking out about three or four inches yeah yeah and uh, that is that is an old school phone right there um mm. yeah my my daughter will never know like, <laughs> like what it was to have a phone like that. Yeah. And this this is so great. And also like with Tyler just like practicing nunchucks in the background. <laughs> and apparently in the script, uh, Brad Pitt was supposed to be just doing sit-ups or working out. But they... And they thought that that was like not quite visually interesting enough, so they asked the the stunt guys if anyone had any nunchucks, and Brad Pitt asked <laughs> asked them to show him just some easy moves, and and so that's they they just spent like probably you know thirty minutes showing him a, a few simple moves, and <laughs> this is what we ended up getting, and and it's fantastic because like he looks kind of like he knows what he's doing but also that he is just absolutely just completely screwing around oh yeah i mean i i always took it to be that this is what jack thinks someone that knows what they're doing with nunchucks does Mm -hmm. um like he is just watching kind of watching this guy out of focus just like do pretty much the stereotypical um like uh b you know b movie hong kong kung fu uh stuff like you know with the with the really bad dubs <laughs> uh so yeah it absolutely makes sense that that's what he would envision tyler doing yeah and then we get the the return of marla and her reintroduction is just so fantastic with this like uh this like glamour shots uh, but at the same time she's like upside down and at a weird angle and she has this corded phone and hers her phone is not a rotary phone we can see the uh the dial pad on the uh receiver that she's talking to has uh actually like light up buttons there they're kind of glowing green uh right beside her face and she has the cord wrapped around her neck, which I think that really adds to the what we end up finding out is like the suicidal nature of this this call. Yeah, it's you know I was trying to 
trying to remember when it came out. I'm fairly certain it was like five years before. Did did you sort of get a sense that she was almost pulling off the poster for Pulp Fiction a little <laughs> bit? Like it, it kind of felt very much like, especially with the the like the interesting angle and everything. It was like when when she sort of flips and you can see the bones, see everything. It's like oh that feels like they were inspired a little bit by that. I don't know. I, I never really got that that impression. And I'm like, I don't have it in front of me. I, I'd have to oh. look it up. But I, I always thought that, like, I was thinking that the the Pulp Fiction poster, like, this is Marla, like, laying on her back at a at a weird angle. Oh, oh yeah. And, no, I, I, I didn't mean that it was, um, it was identical because obviously she's yeah. not on her belly with her legs, like, up a little bit, but like, the the laying on the bed with with that style of phone uh it, it just seemed like ah kind of kind of like they're it's kind of like they're making fun of it a little bit like you know it's it, it's an homage but also it's just they're kind of say yeah we're subverting that thing it's just uh, and it you know it is it is a a woman on a bed with that style of phone. So like yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of where the, the majority of the parallel comes from there. But uh yeah, it's um it I mean I just find it interesting seeing those phones again. Like it, it's how long <laughs> how long has it been since you were you were in a house that had a phone that was attached to the to its base? Let's see, that that would have been like my my childhood home. Uh, let's see that's i think we moved out of there whenever i was about 20 so it, it, i would say like right around the the time this movie came out i, w- I was about the last time i have one of those phones in in our house and then after we moved we definitely had cordless phones oh yeah i mean my uh my parents got cordless phone for the main line for the house um so um so the the main line we we had cordless phones from the from the age of i would have been like like 12 um so that would have been um yeah pretty much around about the time this film came out however uh, we did actually have two phone lines in the house, and the second one was just set up by the front door. I don't know why we had it, but we did. <laughs> and that one remained a corded phone until I um, I ended up uh, like moving to America, and then my parents sold the house, so they ended up getting rid of that phone. Uh, but, well, uh, well, we had two lines as well, but we, we the corded phone that you know the main corded phone that was like in the center of the house was a two line phone, so you could switch lines. But we had the the second line was uh, primarily for the computer modem. Yes, I I remember. I, I I have always heard that that was a thing. Like that, you know, if you want, if someone was online. Like and you needed to make a phone call, you had to get offline to do that. Like um I um I count myself very lucky that my parents when we got uh the internet that way, I believe they ended up just buying a separate line entirely that went to mm-hmm. that. So uh we never had to hang up the phone if someone was online. <laughs> um so and I feel like I missed out on a rite of passage. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we we had that, but I also remember that we had we had it set up where, like the, we had call like the automatic forwarding. So if we were on line one and the second line wasn't taken up by the computer, and somebody else called our primary line, it would get automatically forwarded to the second line. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I. Uh, um. I. I'm not surprised. I was just thinking that that definitely a very smart thing to have set up. I just, um, uh, I guess, uh, in England, uh, there's you know, not not many, uh, not much call for that at at that mm-hmm. time. Uh, so, um, yeah, especially uh, especially given around about the time that um, 
you know, the internet was really getting big. Everyone also started having mobile phones and all of that. So, uh, you know, the, the need to have more than one line at home kind of vanished within about mm-hmm. a year. Uh, just yeah. mobile phone really took off. Yeah. And then I also wanted to talk a little bit about uh, color theory in, in this, this scene, especially because I've, okay. I've been working on this, uh, the fact that I, I feel like this film does use color theory to a certain extent. And I feel like Jack and Jack's, especially Jack's previous life and his work life is represented primarily through the color green. And I think to a lesser extent, the color blue, like in, in this scene, he's wearing like a dark blue jacket. And Tyler is primarily represented by the color red because he's often wearing red jackets. He has like the red sun sunglasses. Yeah, he's kind of got the maroon trousers as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and the, the Paper Street house, since it's kind of a, a combination of the two of them, that we see a lot of yellow, which in, in the light spectrum, uh, green and red combine to make yellow. Interesting. And in this scene, we have Marla is wearing a blue dress and her phone is lit up with the, the green buttons. So she has like the the blue and green that's connecting her to Jack in this moment. Fascinating. Okay, I I have never, uh, like, never considered uh, like uh, color theory or anything like that. I, um, I, I will freely admit, uh, for the most part, I very much am uh, a straightforward person when it comes to uh, all of these films. Like, uh, uh, if you're not telling me what the meaning is, <laughs> I'm probably not getting it. <laughs> um, uh but uh like stuff stuff like that i always find really interesting and uh, i'm definitely gonna have to rewatch this now and kind of uh, see how much of that um i can i can pick up because uh that's uh uh i i i'm definitely going to be listening to uh to your episodes after this to <laughs> see, like you know how how those how that changes and maybe you know what what color outfit she's wearing depending on who she's interacting with in quotation mm-hmm. marks i guess i should say yeah, yeah and I, and there's also like an uh like one other part of her outfit is she has this uh this ring which is this uh large red flower and i believe that it's uh a, in the commentary at one point um she refers to it as like a coke ring as that's like a, a ring that's it has a hidden compartment and and people would store uh, cocaine in there ah okay which she she felt was you know very appropriate for uh, marla to to have and i i think that's also knowing the fact that it's that it's like a coke ring that's and the fact that that's red and tying to tyler because tyler is the the more uh dangerous elements uh, of the the two people and that's the one that she ends up being attracted to over the course of the movie yeah no that uh that really does make sense yeah that's cool okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) and and i also just love uh carter's performance like whenever uh jack asks how she knows that he hasn't been going to groups and she just has this, you know, very incredible sly smile that like slowly creeps onto her face whenever she says, I cheated. It's yeah. like, that's like the, the cat that ate the canary style of grin. <laughs> yeah, very much so. It's just like, uh, oops, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if, and I also love the way that she pops up as soon as Jack mentions this uh, this new group and and how like the camera movements, the camera tends to predict where she's moving to. So we have, you know, the it starts off the camera is focused on her laying in the bed. And then we have the camera is focused on the window and she pops into frame. And then a little bit later, 
the the camera starts off focused on the bed and then she plops down on the bed coming again coming into frame like falling into frame like marla is constantly like falling into frame in in these shots which is just visually fantastic i think yeah that it, it's always it's always interesting especially in films like this where it's usually just everything's in shot like everything's like it's set up exactly as it needs to be and it's just framing what you see and then to have a character that just keeps popping in and out like uh, mm -hmm. like breaking that it, it is very nice um and uh uh and again um as, as i believe i mentioned on monday like i my my thought would be like how many times did did they have to do these shots to get them <laughs> right yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I've definitely talked, uh, you know, a lot uh, before now and, and probably after now about how David Fincher, he he is not at the, you know, the, the infamous like Stanley Kubrick level of doing 150 takes for a single scene, but he is known for doing like 20, 30, 40 takes on on a single scene and like spending an entire day on a scene and having these these long uh long shoots with the uh, many many takes like more than uh, than some people would expect yeah and i mean yeah the man's an auteur like it's just uh, mm. it, it definitely um fascinating to me how it's like some of these you know old school directors and everything like that they have the vision and they're and they're gonna get this vision out re regardless of how long it's gonna take it's yeah, yeah. It's just uh it's uh it's it's always it's always so interesting to me like just um like how someone can do that because i uh i myself uh can't picture something that i haven't seen so to just to think of these directors that have fully fleshed out like like stories that are just there in their heads and all they're trying to do is get it on celluloid like that's just mm. uh, um i will always be in awe of, of people like that yeah and then the the last thing that marla says before this minute cuts off is she says that she's been going to debtors anonymous which that that is actually a real group uh, you know similar to alcoholics anonymous which is uh, the debtors anonymous is for people who have frequent or excessive problems with debts and uh you know i i think we'll talk about that a little bit more on uh you know next monday's episode yeah i, I do i yeah that, that's saying like my question thinking about like debtors anonymous um if you're thinking of it like uh you know, say uh alcoholic anonymous it's uh you know people that uh, have too much of the thing um but my my brain immediately went to is this a support group for the people who are like supplying the debt because <laughs> <Yeah>, <laughs> like yeah that they're, they're not like a debtor it feels more like an employer rather than the employee like <laughs> <you know, laughs> It's uh, it's, uh, and and obviously you mentioned it's a real, um, yeah, it's it's a real thing. So, uh, you know, for people that know, um, yeah, obviously they know exactly what it is. But uh, like, I I wouldn't have put a person to just kind of create this entirely made up thing where it's like, it's a support group of people who had to like they had to support each other being like, I know you don't want to go after this person for their debt, but you know, you, you <laughs> have to. <laughs> yeah. Although I I was thinking about it now and, and I think that that, that kind of support group is like one of those things, like the people going to debtors anonymous is somebody that, that Tyler Durden would absolutely be against. Like the, those are the people that, uh, fight club and later project mayhem are going after to make their lives more miserable because the these these are generally people or at least you know not all of them some of them are just you know people in bad situations that are struggling right. with that but i think uh, a lot of them are 
uh, people that have like shopping addictions and they they are in debt because of their own actions and their their own uh, mental illnesses and and compulsion to spend more than they are able to afford. Uh, but it it is that's like consumer culture that Tyler Durden is against throughout the course of this movie. Yeah, it, yeah, it 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 is interesting. Like, because uh, I've been I've been trying to think like when it comes to all different support groups and stuff like that. Like, that do you think there's genuinely a support group for pretty much everything out there? <laughs> Like, uh, I would imagine that, you know, anything that people struggle with, uh, you know, unless it's like extremely niche, but you can probably find some support groups, especially in larger cities or through online communities, that you could probably find a support group for uh, just about any thing that you're struggling with. Yeah, I mean, and especially with, you know, as you mentioned like online stuff now like because obviously before you and like in in fight club you see you have to go to a support group you have to actually physically be there but now that and anyone can join any group of people anywhere at this point in time like it yeah i, I imagine there's there's probably several support groups running right this very second <laughs> but, uh, yeah yeah uh, but that's that's all of my notes uh, for this minute. Do you have anything else for this minute, or anything that you wanted to talk about about the movie in general? No, I, um, I, I, I guess the only thing that I was, um, uh, I'm just interested in is uh, uh, like what, um, like, and I don't know if you want to go uh, too far into talking about the ending of the film uh, at this point in time, but. Um, like for you what was your um reaction the first time you saw this film to the ending of it? i mean i i think i was just like kind of in awe uh for the most part just uh, just amazed at what was unfolding before my eyes and and i i, I definitely remember i i know i saw this film in theaters and i believe that i figured out the twist like right in the middle of jack chasing tyler around like as uh as he's like going through the airports and and going to the you know chasing the planes and like i would say just a few minutes before the the full-on like point blank reveal to the audience it was uh when i i figured out what was going on and i i think that's also just like a, a great feeling whenever you figure out the the twist of the movie before it is spelled out to you yeah no, i mean that's uh um, yeah it, it it's always good when you're able to do that and i i'll say this film this film was one that uh, i was not knowledgeable enough on a lot of the sort of tropes and tricks and stuff of typical uh, films and so on for me to pick up on this the first time I was watching it um yeah so I was uh I, I just very much in, enjoyed watching it and being there for the roller coaster um and uh the obviously the twist fantastic um yeah it's uh it's typically seen as one of the best um you know twist for people that don't know about it because it's very mm. difficult to not know about it now going into <laughs> it um but uh yeah I, i've always thought that the ending of the film uh like the like the very last bit of the film which obviously you'll be getting to months from now uh is uh um is something that uh i i think about every now and again like the um uh yeah the resolution for jack shall we say mm -hmm. um yeah and all that like I, I've always thought that it was a uh, like just a massive thing that they did, and that you you don't see in um, in a lot of films even now. Like there's really not a lot of films that will kind of go that big for an ending. Yeah, um, the characters. So yeah, I am. Um, 
Uh, I can see any other thing left to say is uh, like I, I really enjoyed this film and uh, um, yeah, I would recommend it to anyone uh, that is willing to enjoy a slow burn type of film, obviously, because uh, it, it it is uh, a really a slow build o- over time. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, uh, also, you know, anyone listening to this that hasn't seen the film, um, well done. <laughs> I should say, yeah, it's uh, fascinating. I'd I'd love to know what you had to think about it. Yeah. Uh, Well, thank you so much for joining me all this week and uh, being generous enough to to reschedule and uh, and to go through this again a second time months later. Uh, but and for one last time, why don't you go ahead and take a moment and let everybody else know where you can be found online. Sure. So, yes, you can find me in the Blockbusters podcast. I'm the main host there. You can find it on, you know, pretty much any podcatcher that you have uh, on social media at Blockbusters on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, and uh, yeah, like come say hi and, you know, let me know what you think about this film, other films. Uh, let me know if there's anything you want me and a guest, uh, maybe even your good self, uh, to, <laughs> um, to record, uh, uh, you know, our thoughts on something. But uh, yeah, no, uh, come along, say hi, please. And as always, I'm Bubba Wheat, and you can find me on social media where I'm at Bubba Wheat. You can uh, also find my co-host, Lance Stanford, on social media where he is at The Night Nerd. And you can find this show, Fight Club Minutes, on all the available podcatchers, as well as our home and the Rabbit Hole Podcasting Network at rabbitholepodcasts.com. And uh, this, until next time, this has been Fight Club Minutes, and this podcast is ending one minute at a time. Hey, even the Mona Lisa's falling apart. Mark! Heather! We need to tell people why they should listen to our show, Word of Hellmouth, in 45 seconds. All right, for one, you and I are hardcore fans of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We know what we're talking about. Anything else? We are fun to listen to and our off-topic conversations are legend. Any other reason Scoob's out there should check us out, Mark? Simply put, Heather, you and I are five by five. Oh, yeah! Where can people find us, Heather? You can find Word of Hellmouth anywhere you get your podcasts. Our home website at rabbitholepodcast.com or just hanging out at the bronze. And David Boreanaz, if you're listening, hit me up. Me too. I don't care.